listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. God's power through the Psalms. And if you have your Bibles or your devices or your eyes or whatever, uh, we're going to turn to Psalm 59. I've asked them to put this up. If you want to look at the screen, you can. We're going to read Psalm 59, authored by David. For the choir director, for the choir director, A psalm of David regarding the time Saul sent soldiers to watch David's house in order to kill him. Kind of a serious situation, don't you think? All right. To be sung to the tune, do not destroy. I'd like to know what that tune was, but David wrote, I believe, three songs to that particular melody. All right. So here we go. Let's jump in. Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Great prayer right there, O God. (laughs) That's a good prayer. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them. I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up. See what's happening. Help me. O Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs, and they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes from their mouths. Their words cut like swords. After all, who can hear us, they sneer. But Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at all the hostile nations. You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me. For you, O God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will let me look down and triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees. O Lord, our shield, because of the sinful things they say, because of the evil that is on their lips, let them be captured by their pride, their curses, and their lies. Destroy them in your anger. Wipe them out completely. Then the whole world will know that God reigns in heaven. Thank you. He reigns in heaven also. My enemies come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food, but go to sleep unsatisfied. And here we are. But as for me, this is what's going on out there. But this is what's going on in here and in here. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. 
Oh, my strength, to you I sing praises. For you, O oh God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Let's pray. Oh, God, we love you. We thank you, God, today that you're here in this place. We thank you for the testimonies we've already heard. We thank you for the testimonies that each of us have about who you are, about your power. And, Lord, we pray that as we look at your word today, God, you would shine your light upon it. You'd shine your light upon us. God, give us the wisdom we need to live out this life that you've called us to live. Give us strength. And, Lord, we give you praise for all you've done and for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I have employed the literary tool of alliteration this morning to help you remember today's message. And so point one is favor, friendship, and fame. Favor, friendship, and fame. This psalm was written at one of the critical points of David's life. There were many. But if you're reading through the Bible with us, we're reading the chronological Bible. That means in as it happened. Okay, chronos is time in Greek, yes? And in order of how it was written. So... We have made it through (laughs) Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We've gotten the Israelites into their land. We've suffered with them through Judges. We've rejoiced with them through the book of Ruth. And now David is on the scene. He is arising. He is coming into his place. Saul has been appointed king, but has proven himself unworthy to carry that mantle, to carry that anointing. And so David is ascending. 1 Samuel 18, 14, some backstory on this psalm. David continued to succeed in everything he did for the Lord was with him. Isn't that an awesome testimony? God was with David, so he succeeded in everything he did. Now, how did that come about? You see, David had a relationship with Almighty God. He praised in private. When it was him, the sheep, and God, he expressed himself. He would write songs in the pasture. And God took him out of obscurity and put him in the court of the king. David's ascension to power started in Saul's court. After Goliath, how many know that story? You should know it, okay? People that know know nothing about the Bible know the story of David and Goliath, okay? After Goliath, he had continued success wherever he went. He was given access to the king's inner court. You can read between the lines here if you'd like. He was given authority over an army, actually over the elite fighting men of Saul. David was given authority. He was given a deep friendship with Jonathan, the king's son. And he was given the affections of Saul's daughter, Michael. He is riding high. 
He was given accolades and was even sung about in the streets. Can you imagine? Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Yeah, you know, things were good for David. He came from obscurity, even within his own family. He had a family that didn't even consider him. Yeah? But God knew where he was the whole time. Okay, you can take a lesson there. And he suddenly, from his obscurity, he's the most celebrated man in the nation. Pretty cool. All right, favor, friendship, and fame. I'm going to live forever. People will remember my name. Number two, fiendish plots. We got some drama here, folks. How many like drama? You know you do, except when you're in the middle of it. All right. You got to like drama if you're in this church, okay? But I think that would be true of most churches. Where there's life, there's... Thank you. All right. Fiendish plots! Now enter the villain. When he got wind of it, Saul allowed, first of all, anger to rise up. Who are they singing about? Thousands. Ten thousands. Whoa. Then quickly followed jealousy. Anger, then jealousy. And then it says, within a few short verses, fear that his kingdom would be taken away after he saw his peace and favor with God withdrawn. Now Saul walked this out. He chose disobedience. He chose presumption. He chose to give in to those feelings. All of us have those feelings at times, don't we? Let's be honest here. We can choose to acknowledge and deal with them, or we can let them take over. And when we do that, you can guarantee destruction is on its way. All right. So, Saul lost control. Saul lashed out. Now, I know I'm not the only one in this room who has ever lost control, who has ever lashed out. I will not ask for a show of hands. Maybe has it happened today, all right? That happens to all of us. But he let this define him, yes? It, it became a defining thing about Saul, losing control and lashing out. And this got to the point... You can see the progression here to where this murderous thing rose up. Yes, because what we cannot control, we want to destroy. And so Saul plotted to have David killed. He did his best to destroy. He became the enemy. Saul became the enemy. 
because he became a weapon in the hand of the enemy against David. And I just want to say how easy it is to follow that path. Yeah? It's easy. It's a progression. He plotted to have David killed. He lost his peace. How we must guard our hearts. This is a lesson to all of us. So David flees. What do you do? (laughs) He was not welcome in the court anymore. Two close calls. He's just sitting there minding his own business, playing his harp, as he did every day, because the music for a time would calm Saul down. Isn't it amazing how music can calm us down sometimes? So come on, play for me. Yeah, play. So he's playing. Except it gets to the point where the music doesn't work anymore. And Saul throws his spear, and it gets stuck in the wall, and David, whoa, what was that? You ever had something come against you unexpectedly? (laughs) Where did that come from? One minute you're letting me borrow your armor, and another minute you're throwing your weapons at me. Wow. And then it happens again, and this time it's too close to call, and then he hears that his life is in danger. So he decides to go to someone that he could trust. This is 1 Samuel 19 and 20. I'm giving you the backstory. He goes to a place called Ramah to find Samuel the prophet, who is now a little bit on an age, and he's conducting a school for the prophets. Wouldn't you love to have been in that school? Oh, yeah. Amazing. So Samuel's got the school of the prophets. David arrives... And he's literally running for his life. So he survives the fiendish plot of Saul. Now, point number three is the most important, and this is the one you can take home. Focus. 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 What does David do? When the going gets tough, the tough start singing. Psalm 59 is written as a result. David puts the situation in God's hands because he knows his life is in God's hands. This guy has survived lions, bears, Goliath, and now he's going to survive the attacks of The highest man in the country? What? Another challenge. You see, David's life was filled with challenges. He cries out to God, and he references, we read it out loud here a little bit ago, he references the favor, the mercy, the protection of God. That's his focus, not the situation. He puts things in perspective. Yes, there's a threat. He doesn't deny the threat. And yes, it is real. Jeremiah 6.14 says you can't heal a wound by pretending it is not 
there. Yes? We need to recognize, acknowledge what's going on, but then we need to take it and give it to God. Yes? We heard that at the beginning of service today. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything. Give it to him. God knows how to take care of it better than you and I do. So David acknowledges that there is a real threat, but he asks the question, who is greater, the enemies of God or God himself? Who is our protection? Do we have a covenant or not? You see, David knew about covenant. Are we anointed or not? David was anointed. Samuel found him, even though everyone did everything they could to keep him off in the sidelines. And he was anointed as king. He lived with that knowledge. You and I are anointed. You see, Christ, that name, Christ, means anointed. It is from the Hebrew Messiah, Mashiach, it means anointed. To be anointed means to be marked, to be set apart, to have the mark of God on you, symbolized by the oil. And you and I, we're called Christians, little Christs. We have that anointing. We're marked when we come to Jesus, when we believe, when we give our lives over to him. We have that. The enemy's main objective is to get us to forget that. And that's what was happening here to David. But he reminded himself of who he was and whose he was. You see, circumstances and enemies do not rob us of our anointing. But if our focus is on the enemy or on ourselves, we can be robbed of the blessings of the anointing. So David cries out and prays to God in the form of a song. It is deep from his soul. It is a reminder to us of who we are and whose we are. It's an example on how to focus on God's favor in the midst of the craziness because it does get crazy, amen? This man over here, Hinda, survived a stabbing. Yes, a crazy guy. Attacked him at a home meeting where he was just trying to do the work of God. Yeah, minding his own business. You might think you're safe in somebody's house. Having a home meeting. Yes? Never mind riding the subway in New York. Oh, I would never do... Oh. Well, that's scary. Flying on an airplane, that's scary. Uh, Driving a car, that's scary. Walking outside to get your mail, that's scary. Well, you know, it will find you. You can hide away somewhere, but the crazy will find you. It will. Now, let alone if you're out there doing God's work. But we don't need to be in fear, do we? Yes. Because God gave this man a word before, during, and after all that happened. 
And he clung to that word more than he clung to the fear of losing his life. So God was there with him even in the midst of the storm. I think that's somewhere in the New Testament. All right. And so David cries out and expresses it because there's just something about a song. There's something about music. There's something about the emotion of that. That gives us peace and reminds us of who he is, even when things get crazy. And you see, we're reminded in that moment, you know, one, one day he's on top of the world. One day he's running around and they're singing his song. Man's favor comes and goes. You might be the most favored one at your job and the next day you goof something up and you're now the butt of the joke. It can happen like that. Been there, done that. God's favor never leaves us. Even when the tide shifts. Even when the songs in the streets turn into insults and jeers. That's what the song is about. Read it again. God is still God. And we are still his. Sometimes we don't find out who he truly is until we find out what the enemy is capable of. We don't know he's a deliverer and a strong tower until we need a deliverer. Just saying. And in these times, God is also showing us what is in our own hearts. Is it Fear, or is it faith? We don't know until we have these challenges sometimes, folks. Who are you going to call? What are you going to do? Will we get upset? Will we panic? Or will we pray and praise? Preaching to myself here. Amen, Dan. All right. Okay, so focus, 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 focus. What's your focus? Okay, point four and my last point, but it is a long one, so don't get too excited. All right. <laughs> this is the, you know, I just didn't, I just said, God, I, I got to have one more. I've got, I've got on a roll here. All right, favor, friendship, fame, fiendish plots, focus. How can we wrap this up with point number four? So I thought, faithfulness, that, that's a good Word that starts with F, faithfulness. And then I got faithfulness in a far-fetched and funny fashion. <laughs> Wait till you hear what happens. It's crazy. You think the enemy's crazy? God's crazier in a good way. Sometimes God's answers, you look and you think, that is crazy. But it worked. It worked sometimes. You want me to do what? Faithfulness in a far-fetched and funny fashion. Say that five times fast. Okay. Words were used to harm David. Words were used to incite contempt. Words were used to order David's assassination. 
And God used the word itself by prophecy to not just shut the mouth of the enemy and disarm them, but to turn the curses into blessings. Sounds a lot like another story we looked at a few weeks ago with Balaam. He was asked to curse and he could only bless. All right, so what happens? What happens? David gets to the school of the prophets. Saul finds out David is hiding out with Samuel in the school of the prophets. So Saul sends a legion to go get David and haul him in, dead or alive, preferably dead. That's what Saul wanted. He wanted to extinguish the anointing because he had lost it. The enemy wants to extinguish your anointing. So... The first band of warriors arrive. They get to the school of the prophets, and guess what happens? They got signed up, and they didn't know it. They start prophesying. I'm sure they're looking at each other. What's going on here? Glory to God, most high. He is here. He is here. He's... And they looked at each other, and they started telling each other things. And, wow. So Saul's like, I'm sending another group. This one, evidently, who knows what happened? They got free admission. They got a scholarship. I don't know what happened. Maybe the, the food was good up there. I don't know what happened, but I'm sending another group of elite warriors. The second one gets there. We're here to take glory to God and the most high. And they start prophesying. Second group starts prophesying. Well, these are the same people that were in the streets issuing insults and threats at David. More than likely. I wasn't there. I don't have the video. But I'm thinking they were. Now, what was David's prayer? This is so good. Yeah. Because of the evil that is on their lips, let them be captured by their pride, their curses, and their lies. Yes. Then the whole world will know that God reigns in Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the filth that comes out of their mouths. Their words cut like swords. After all, who can hear us, they sneer. But God, you laugh at them. Don't you think God was maybe laughing a little bit when they were prophesying? They're probably laughing at themselves. What's going on here? This was years before Toronto, okay? All right. So, second group, whatever they did, they were doing it. Third group, bam! Saul by now is furious. He's got anger issues. He had anger issues to start with. And so Saul himself says, nobody can do the job. I might as well do it myself. <laughs> you ever felt that way? Just let me go up there and kill him myself. So he rides up to Rama. He arrives at the school. Everyone's running around prophesying. He starts prophesying. <laughs> he walks in. I need that dirty, nasty little squirrel of a David who is the most high and he will become the king. And he starts prophesying. Again, words added to illustrate the point that isn't actually in the Bible. Okay, but you can only imagine what he was saying under the anointing of God. All right, this is 1 Samuel 20. Read it. Or if you're reading through the Bible, you should be there today or tomorrow. All right? So, 
Saul starts prophesying. (laughs) The spirit of the Lord comes upon him. His language changes. How humbling for Saul. Actually humiliating. And what a clear case of divine intervention. And how amazing and how genius God is. It says that he strips off his robes. The kingly robes are gone. The curses are gone. God takes him down to his birthday suit. And I believe God was declaring over him, I raised you up and I can take you down. You're nothing without me. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we all need to be taken down a notch. And God reminds us, you would be nothing without me. And so Saul ends up among the prophets for that day. For that day and night, thank you. Day meaning 24-hour period. And you would have thought, you would have thought that the attacks were over at that point. You would have thought that David was now home free. See? God is on my side. The evil words are over. The attacks are over. Even the king's down on his face. But it was just the beginning. The journey to the throne for David was a long one. The preparation was intense. God doesn't, wasn't done with Saul. He wasn't done with Jonathan. He wasn't done preparing David, who was at that moment actually not ready to rule. But God was with David every step of the way. And in the face of either favor or adversity, the lesson we can get is that God is with us. You ever experience a victory and you think, that's it, that's it, wow. Tide's going to turn. Yeah. But God is doing what God is doing. And we don't know his timetable. We don't know the big, big, big picture. We don't know what he's going to do. We are a piece of the puzzle. He might be preparing you and I for something he wants to do generations down the line. Our part is to obey. Our part is to keep our heart right. Our part, yes, we can celebrate. But we cannot stop. We must continue. We are going to see everything that David goes through in his journey to the throne. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? What can separate us from his love? Jesus said to us, to his disciples, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, 
Be courageous. I have overcome the world. John 16.33 You see, from that moment on, David continues to cry out to God. He continues to write songs and sing and praise. He overcame challenge after challenge and experienced the favor of God in the secret place until he experienced it again in public. And that's the key, folks, to a life well lived, knowing God is God, even when everything around us is trying to tell us something different. He did not quit when he ascended to the throne. He reigned over his circumstances until he reigned over his people. And we still have the songs he wrote. Isn't that awesome? We still have the prayers he prayed and the preparations he made for worship. We still have those words, God is a good God. God can turn tragedy into triumph. And it wasn't just for David. We are God's children, and he promises to do it for us also. And we can also take heart that when God gives us a victory, it's not just for us. It's to share. It's to encourage. That's why we share our testimonies, because there's power there in declaring the goodness of God. In the voice of negativity, in the voice of threats, God is God. What can separate us from the love of God? Let's stand together. Noah, you want to come up and lead us in one last song? Let's just uh, give him praise today. If you're going through a situation, and we all do, we have a prayer team today that's ready to pray with you to try to help you get your focus. Sometimes we need help. That's why we come together. That's why we're not in this alone, because there are times when we need someone to stand by our side. Thank you, Lord, today for your power. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you that it just wasn't for David. It just wasn't a story in the Bible. But God, it's very true today. And you're a faithful God. And you love us. And you know what each one of us are going through. And you know, God, that your word is more true and more real than any words that are spoken against us. So Lord, today we just put our lives in your hands. And as we worship this morning, we turn our focus to you. And we thank you that, Lord, whether it happens instantly or it happens over a period of time, you are faithful and you will bring us through, Lord, to that place of reigning, of rulership, Lord, of victory over our circumstances and over our enemies. In Jesus' name we pray. 